0: The spring rain fills the air as you hike through the woods. But the day is so humid, you almost can't tell. Your clothes stick to your skin. Soon you encounter a stream. You're getting close. You wipe your brow. A look passes among your tour group. Everyone else looks much less winded than you, but all are thrilled to be close to the end of this trail. You follow the river until the trees part. Bride's Pool where several waterfalls flow into a body of water at their base. You've never heard of a more refreshing sound than these waterfalls splashing against the rocks. Your companions set down their packs and run toward the inviting water, stripping to bathing suits or underclothes. You unloop your belt, about to join them, when you feel a strange coldness in the air. You look up, past all your friends frolicking in the water, toward the edge of the pool. A woman sits there, clad in a bright red gown. Her black hair hangs over her face, and her feet trail lazily in the water. A sob escapes the woman. You look around, but it appears you're the only one who can hear it. Suddenly, her head jerks upward. Though her eyes are still concealed by the curtain of inky black hair, you can feel their gaze cut right through you. She can see your lonely soul. Welcome to Haunted Places, a ParCast Original. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, I take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted real places on Earth. This week, join me on a supernatural journey to Bride's Pool, a beautiful clearing by Plover Cove Reservoir in Hong Kong, named after the lovesick spirit that resides by its waters. And discover why, to this day, it's haunted. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast, and Twitter at Parcast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. We also now have merchandise. Head to parkast.com merch for more information. Listen to more episodes of Haunted Places, as well as Parkast's other shows on Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts. In northeast Hong Kong, in a park called Plover Cove, lies the Bride's Pool, a popular tourist destination. It is also among the most haunted spots in the region. Visitors to the Bride's Pool often report sightings of a lonely spirit, a bride weeping for her lost chance at love. Some say she's a cursed figure who appears to lonely people, looking for a companion for her mourning soul. Others say she's a blessing for those looking to fall in love. Whatever omen she represents, death and injury often follow in her wake through direct or indirect means. Phi's legs pumped furiously at his bicycle wheels, and a grin spread over his face. Despite the blistering heat causing sweat to pour down his back, It was already a painfully hot summer, but he sped away from the school as fast as he could. He did not want to waste a single second of his month-long break near that building. On each side, the trees flew by in a flurry of green. He almost whooped with joy, but wisely kept his mouth shut to make sure not to swallow any bugs. When he arrived home, Feist set his bicycle aside and ran in pausing only to remove his shoes at the door. Phi knelt at his bed and removed a poster from beneath it, turning it over to inspect the image on the flip side. It was a painting he had made in art class, one so close to his heart that he did not even show it to his parents. It depicted a girl, Lee, the most beautiful girl he knew. She was one grade ahead of him, but lived only a short bike ride away. Their fathers had been friends since they were in the army together, so it seemed like fate that he would fall in love with her. He examined his handiwork, hands shaking with anticipation. Today is the day. On the very bottom of the canvas was a simple poem he had written himself, one that he was quite proud of. It said, Eyes like a clear stream, perfect and blue. You are like a dream. My heart was made for you." He had to give this to her before she left to study abroad in the United States. She had to know how he felt about her. And maybe he would go and join her in a year or two. Phi carefully wrapped the canvas in paper, tying a string around it as gently as he could. He took a deep breath and looked at himself in the mirror. For a boy of 17, he did not look so bad. His mother always said he was handsome, but you could never trust mothers about these things. He wondered for a moment if Lee could tell that he liked her. He would know soon enough. He ran back toward the door. His mother called after him as he passed, but he did not notice her. His attention was entirely focused on Lee. Even as he rode his bicycle down the road, painting tucked carefully under his arm, he could see her face in his mind's eye. He tried to imagine how she would react to such a present. Would she smile fondly, plant a kiss on his cheek, or would she be disgusted and never want to see him again? He shook his head to clear that thought from his mind. They were friends after all, and regardless of how she felt about him, they would remain friends. Fy was shaken out of his daydream by an unexpected sound. It sounded like a grown woman crying. Not slowing his bicycle, he looked toward the trees speeding past him. He saw nothing but the evening sun flickering between the branches. Suddenly, a flash of red appeared among the forest. It was a woman in an ornate crimson dress, pointing a finger at him. Her eyes were hidden behind a veil of black hair. An instant later, the woman was gone. Curiosity getting the better of him, Phi stopped and dismounted the bike. He took a few steps into the woods and stared, searching the trees for the strange woman. All he heard was the sound of a nearby waterfall. He saw no sign of the woman at all. He shivered and checked his wrapped painting to make sure the wrapping had not come loose as he rode. The wrapping paper was only slightly crinkled after spending ten minutes tucked under his arm. A few beads of sweat landed on the paper from his brow. He wiped them away with the dry part of his shirt. He would not forgive himself if he let his sweat stain this gift. Phi mounted his bike and was about to press his foot down when a chill passed along his spine. He held up the parcel again. The air around it seemed to shimmer like a mirage. Something about it felt different somehow, like the insides of the package were writhing in his hands. He gently unwrapped it. His drawing was still there, but instead of the happy smile he painted her with, Zhang Li wore an expression of shock, mouth agape and eyes bulging. Strokes of blue and black paint coursed their way around her on the canvas, rippling like the surface of a pond. With a shock, he realized why her expression unsettled him so. It was the face of a drowned girl. But that was not the only change that had befallen his artwork. The paper was now stained with dark spots, as if whoever was revising his drawings had cried while doing so. Rage and fear bubbled up within Phi's gut. Why had someone done this to his present? And how had they done it without him noticing? Phi gripped the canvas, and the sides of the image began to crinkle. Beneath the ghastly image of Lee was his poem. But the tear stains blocked out most of the words. The ones that remained read, A clear stream, perfect, made for you. Phi looked up to see the red spirit again, gliding through the grass toward him. Its face was black and featureless, but both its hands reached out toward him, claw-like and grasping. Phi dropped the note and leapt onto his bike, pumping the pedals until his calves ached, desperate to get away. He noticed the car's headlights a split second before they were upon him. Phi's body was thrown from the bicycle and onto the rough pavement. He rolled for several feet before stopping. The world was upside down, fading in and out. His entire body felt raw. And out of the corner of his eye, he could see a crimson path etched down the asphalt where he had rolled. At the end of it was the car that struck him, pulled onto the side of the road. Through the haze, he saw the door open. Zhang Li stepped out of it. She stood stock still for a moment, gazing with horror upon his broken body. Then she rushed to his side, tears welling up in her eyes. Distantly, as he slipped into unconsciousness, Phi wished he had not left his painting behind. Bridespool Road is known as one of the most dangerous roadways in Hong Kong. A particularly infamous stretch of the road is known as Deadly Curve, due to the number of accidents that occur in that particular spot after dark cars, tour buses, and bicycles, have been known to spin out of control on the narrow roadway or collide with oncoming traffic. Recently, Deadly Curve was added to Hong Kong's list of black spots or roadways that are abnormally unsafe for drivers. Now, it may just be a coincidence that so many deaths and injuries happen on the road by Bright's Pool, or it could be that the bride herself causes these accidents as retribution for her own suffering. For as we will learn, the deadly spirit that haunts Bride's Pool was the victim of her own tragic accident. When we return, we'll tell the story of how this spirit came to haunt Bride's Pool. Now, back to the story. Historically, hauntings throughout much of East Asia tend to be amorphous and mercurial. More the presence of a collection of evil spirits, rather than specific specters. However, the ghost that haunts Bride's Pool is a distinct individual. With no variations based on the sighting, she is always seen wearing an ornate red Chiang Sam, or Mandarin gown and is described as having shockingly long black hair. Passers-by have also seen her wandering the woods nearby, seemingly aimless, searching for something she cannot find by the water, or merely lost in her own grief. Autumn was always Kimura's favorite time of the year, she lay by her window, gazing up at the full moon. It beamed silver light down on her, a gentle and benevolent presence. Kimura wished she could be as serene as the moon. In truth, she was terrified. Her wedding was tomorrow, and she did not feel the least bit prepared for it. It was not reluctant, she felt. She loved Shen with all her heart, But the thought of marriage itself was terrifying to her. The biggest day of her youth was on the horizon. Once she crossed this threshold, there would be no going back. She would be a girl no longer. Kimura sighed, gazing over the grounds. In a way, this was the last night of her life. She called for a servant to heat a bath. She did not feel like she would be sleeping much tonight. The next morning, the day had come. Kimura did not feel rested at all. Her sleep had been intermittent and full of unsettling visions. In these dreams, she saw the sky turn dark above her, and a bolt of lightning strike her and Shen passing through them, turning them both to ash. She nearly dozed off again as the maids dressed her and did her makeup for the ceremony. Once she was dolled up and loaded into the sedan, four porters picked her up and carried her off toward the wedding site. The curtains were shut tight on either side, sealing her in a protective red chamber. No one would be able to see the bride until she stepped out to meet her new husband. She tried to nap as they carried her sedan through the trees, but the jostling back and forth would shake her awake every time she got comfortable. Her makeup did an admirable job of covering her tired eyes, but she worried that Shen would notice. She could count the number of times they'd been alone together on one hand, but despite never seeing her in such an exhausted state, he would certainly be able to tell if her eyelids kept sliding closed during the ceremony. Suddenly, the sedan stopped and lowered to the ground. Were they here already? Kimura sat up, trying to see where they were through the curtains that concealed her from the outside world. But around them, she could see only trees. The porters were standing together near the sedan, staring up at the sky. Kimura was furious. What was the meaning of this stop? Her gaze followed one of their pointing fingers to the sky, where dark clouds had begun to gather. She rolled her eyes in annoyance. They couldn't possibly think it would rain. She called out to the servants, commanding them to keep going. After a moment's pause, The servants lifted her up and kept walking through the woods. The path they took was winding and uneven, but Shen had reassured her that it was only a short walk, and the clearing he had picked for their wedding was worth it. Kimura's heart sank when she heard thunder. It sounded dangerously close. This couldn't be happening. Autumn was supposed to be dry and sunny. Remembering her dream, a chill passed down her spine. What if it had not been a dream, but a warning that some horrible fate was to befall her and her beloved? Kimura wrung her hands. Her heart fluttered desperately in her chest. She knew this wedding was meant to be. Shen was handsome, kind, and from a good family. But how could this sudden thunderstorm be anything but a bad omen? She called to her servants and commanded them to move faster. Maybe they could beat the horrible rain. Or if fortune smiled on them, maybe the rain would miss them altogether. Perhaps it was not an omen of misfortune after all. Kimura tried with all her might to keep from crying when the rain started. She could not smudge her makeup. Then a leak sprung from the canopy above her, letting the rainwater drip onto her dress. Her dreams of a perfect wedding day were growing more distant by the moment. She imagined herself stepping out of an elegant sedan, not the bedraggled cart she was in now. She shifted her dress to avoid the leak and prayed that the rain would not grow any heavier. She was answered by a fresh torrent of water from the heavens. Through the downpour, Kimura could hear a waterfall nearby. According to Shen's instructions, this meant they were almost halfway. Her heart fluttered nervously at the thought of her husband to pee. Surely he would not be angry that her dress was wet or that her hair was not perfect. Fingers shaking... Kimura searched her dress and found a brush that she kept beside her at all times. She reached it up into her hair and ran it through. She hoped the action would calm her, but it just made her more anxious. She undid her bun and set about fixing her hair from scratch. Eventually, her hands steadied. It gave her confidence to know there was at least one thing she had control over. Her sedan rocked dangerously, causing her to drop the brush and hold on to the sides for dear life. She wondered if any bride had ever experienced such a turbulent voyage to her wedding ceremony. A brilliant ray of sunlight pierced through Kimura's curtain, illuminating her gown. She gasped in relief. The storm had finally passed. Slowly, her worries began to melt away and she let her hands settle into her lap. She peered furtively through the curtains on her sedan. The porters were carrying her beside the river. She followed the current with her eyes all the way to the waterfall. Thin rays of early afternoon sunshine turned the stream into a river of gold. Everything was going to be fine. Suddenly, the rear corner of her sedan buckled beneath her. Kimura had no chance to grab a hold of anything. She rolled out the side of the sedan, bracing herself for the ground. The riverbank rushed up to meet her with terrifying speed. The sight of her face struck a wet rock, and she rolled. The world around her was a spinning pinwheel of forest greens. She heard her porters call out in shock before water closed over her head. Kimura waved her arms around wildly, trying to fight her way towards the surface. But trapped within her form-fitting Chiang Sam, she could barely move her limbs. The fabric resisted her every kick and furious paddle. Just as her lungs felt liable to burst, Kimura's head breached the surface and she inhaled a deep breath of air. She found herself entangled in a swath of dark red fabric floating on the surface. Part of the curtain from her sedan had fallen with her, and her desperate gasps for air only served to pull it tightly across her face. The air would barely get through with a heavy cloth. She felt like she was drowning above water. A moment later, the water pulled her sharply downward. And her head submerged briefly. Then she felt nothing beneath her. She had gone over the waterfall. This time the water was quiet. Kimura's head throbbed. Scrapes all over her body burned. But she did not have the strength to even clutch onto her injuries. She was too tired from fighting against the tight fabric of her wedding dress. She let her limbs go slack and began to sink. She could see the sunlight dancing at the surface above her. She would never get to see Shen again. She began to cry. In the murky water, her own tears were invisible to her. Due to her striking appearance and unique and tantalizingly enigmatic backstory, the eponymous Bride of Bride's Pool has developed an aura of mystery all her own. No one knows what era she's from, but the common assumption is that she's an ancient spirit who fosters a deep current of resentment for modern lovers. How she chooses her victims is similarly unknown, But many people seem to think that the common thread is loneliness. Her spirit is so sensitive to her own eternal loneliness that she only appears to those with similar longings. But she is not always weeping. Sometimes she is seen sitting by the pool, combing her hair as if preparing for her upcoming wedding, the wedding that never happened all those years ago. Perhaps the reason she lures lost souls to drown is to find companions to join her, so eternity would not be so lonely. If that were the case, none of them would have stuck around after their untimely demise, for she remains alone at the water's edge, weeping. We'll be back with a final ghostly tale from Bride's Pool. Now, back to the story. Bride's Pool Nature Trail is an easy hike for tourists and locals alike. Besides the aforementioned pool, it contains the Bride's Pool Stone Bridge, which was constructed in 1906 to connect the Tung and May villages. As the population of Hong Kong only grew, the purpose of the bridge changed from convenience to recreation for tourists as well as those who seek out the paranormal. Like every haunted place on planet Earth, Bride's Pool has become an obsession among ghost hunters and spirit enthusiasts. During the day, spirit boards are often found abandoned beneath the trees near Bride's Pool. Clear evidence that people who conduct seances in the area are often too frightened by what they find to bother collecting their belongings. But some have an entirely different perspective on the Bride's Pool spirit. Some believe there's no better place to mend a broken heart than at the feet of this ghostly bride. may stepped out of her suv shivering against the winter breeze it was not freezing but dressed in her thin black sweater it might as well have been she could have worn something a bit more suited to the weather but she chose not to these were the only clothes she had in black and her current task should not be done in bright colors she removed the urn from the passenger seat it was lighter than she expected It seemed vaguely obscene, storing a person's entire being in a clay jar, no larger than a watermelon. But her husband wanted to be cremated, so she would honor his wish. He was so stubborn about these things when he was alive. She dropped the urn into her backpack and zipped it up. She had been here many times before with Andrew, and today would probably be the last. There were too many happy memories here to visit alone. May set off down the bride's pool nature trail. The sky was thick with clouds, and darkness was only an hour away. Perfect weather for what she had to do. A young couple hurried past May, arms wrapped around each other's shoulders for warmth. No doubt they were trying to leave before it became too dark to find their way back. The trail crisscrossed over the river, giving visitors plenty of chances to gawk at the beautiful scenery around them, a practice Andrew frequently indulged in during their hikes together. This time, May took no stops, hiking along the trail with brusque efficiency. When Andrew was alive, this hike would take hours. On her own, it could take 30 minutes. She kept her eyes down. She feared everywhere she looked would remind her of him, and she did not want to cry the whole way up. Despite May's brisk pace, the walk had never felt longer. With every step, she could feel her husband's remains tugging at her shoulders, as if insisting they should stop and listen to the bird songs for a little while. She grit her teeth and kept going. She reached the waterfall and stopped staring up at it. She was not winded, yet her arms and legs felt leaden and unresponsive. This was where Andrew would spend the rest of time, at the bottom of some waterfall, his ash indistinguishable from the silt of the riverbed. May opened her backpack and removed the urn from within. She opened its lid and almost gagged at the smell. She looked all around to make sure no one was nearby and began to empty the urn into the water. May finally allowed herself to cry as she watched Andrew's mortal remains slide from the jar and dissipate into the pool. They formed small gray islands on the surface. Her tears landed on these little formations, creating little craters of their own. A gentle snow started falling from the sky. Tiny flakes of white descending from the dense clouds above. Eventually, all the ash that was once Andrew was gone. May wiped her eyes and closed the urn. Even though she had stopped crying, she could still hear the sound of someone weeping nearby. She looked around in confusion. There was no echo in this canyon. Then her eyes settled on the woman in red, sitting on the bank beside the waterfall. The urn dropped from her hands and shattered on the bridge below her, but the woman did not look up at the noise. She was beautiful, untouched by the overcast sky or the light snow. May knelt and started to gather the broken urn from the ground not taking her eyes off this strange red woman in the dwindling light. The woman finally looked up, her hair obscured her face. She stood and walked toward May, lowering her hands to her sides. She walked through the water, and May noticed with astonishment that there were no ripples in the woman's wake. Finally, she reached the shore where May was standing and looked up at her eyes barely visible slits between her dark bangs. There was something entrancing about her stare that made May want to curl up in a ball and squeeze her eyes shut, but also something sympathetic. In the woman's eyes, May saw a moment of pain and loss rolling over and over again like the waterfall behind them, grief spilling into grief until it drowned the occupant. The woman reached out her hands toward May. Join me, the gesture said. I understand your pain, your loss. May reached out. Tears were flowing freely from her eyes once again. The ghostly hands slid over hers. To May's touch, the woman's skin felt smooth and damp as insubstantial as a wisp of silk. Gently, the woman led May into the water. May took a step into the pool and felt the shock of cold water clasp around her ankles. She gasped, the chill shaking her out of her trance. She could not go through with it. She would not. She carefully withdrew her hand from the spectral woman's grasp. The woman's grip clamped down on May's wrists with sudden ferocity. With incredible strength, it began dragging her further into the water. May lost her footing and tumbled into the water. She struggled to her feet, grasping at her wrist, trying to pry herself free of the ghostly woman's vice-like grip. May looked up to plead with the merciless ghost. The woman's hair had parted to reveal her face. In the fading light, May could see a face that was once beautiful, but had the bloated and swelled appearance of a drowned corpse. The river water leaked from her eyes like tears, creating streaks of mud down her face. She opened her mouth and wailed at May. As May fought, a horrible thought echoed in the back of her mind. How could I leave my Andrew here? She thought... The thought repeated itself over and over again until it was all she could think. Her shoulders strained. She was not going to hold on much longer. Then, she saw Andrew. Dusk had completely taken a hold of the pool, but the shape on the other bank was unmistakable. He stood there in a white tongue suit nearly identical to the red one he wore at their wedding a lifetime ago. He smiled at her, the same cocky, carefree smile she had seen a thousand times while climbing mountains or fighting their way through dense jungles. She returned to smile, then stopped fighting. The woman's hands carried her into the water, and the shocking cold swallowed her whole body. She could barely make out anything in the murky depths. Clouds of mud and pebbles circled around her, like planets orbiting her as their star. She closed her eyes. She would join her beloved Andrew here in the bed beneath the churning waters of Bride's Pool. The legend of Bride's Pool makes it an attractive spot for scattering ashes. Bereaved loved ones are occasionally spotted sneaking in after hours to scatter the departed in the streams, or even at the waterfall itself. For some, it may just be a scenic location to dispose of ashes. For many more, it gives them comfort that their loved ones might find the afterlife more pleasant than the Bride of Bride's Pool does. Perhaps it is not a coincidence that the part of Hong Kong closest to Bride's Pool is known as tai Mei Tuk, which is a Cantonese phrase meaning the very end. Bride's Pool, a beautiful convergence of rivers into a refreshing waterfall. Ideal for hikers, joggers, swimmers, and anyone looking to escape the bustling metropolis of Hong Kong. But do not get too comfortable, for around its waters lurks a heartbroken spirit whose untimely death fills her with murderous grief. If you find yourself in northeastern Hong Kong, pay a visit to bride's pool, bring a swimsuit, bathe in the refreshing waterfall, but do not go alone. And drive safely when rounding the deadly curve. For the bride will be watching you. And she may think you're her ideal companion. Thanks again for tuning into Haunted Places. We'll be back on Thursday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Haunted Places, as well as all of ParCast's other shows on Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. I'll see you next week. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler. is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the Parcast Network. It's produced by Max and Ron Cutler, with sound design by Kenny Hobbs. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Haunted Places was written by Robert Teamstra. I'm Greg Polson.